Welcome to the Evangel Temple Youth Ministries Podcast. You're about to listen to another message from Pastor Isaac Worley. We pray that this message would be instrumental in God speaking to you and drawing you closer to Him. Now, here's today's sermon. Well, hey, we're going to jump into the Word. Um, so if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew chapter 5. That's where we've been and where we're going to be at tonight. We're in a series called Radical Relationships. I... Well, I'll start with this. My goodness, I need to get this unlocked before I do anything. Okay, sorry. Um, but I want to start with this, that this little, maybe you guys would understand this morning routine situation. Anyone get up like crazy early? Well, you guys know with, uh, with going to school and everything. Okay, so some people understand this morning routine, especially when it's super early, you kind of go in like this autopilot mode where you are just doing the things that you normally do every morning and you're maybe not even thinking about it. So I, every morning, I get up to, to read and spend some time uh, in God's Word. And, but before I do that, I have the exact same pattern of what I do and where I go throughout the house. And it never changes. Sometimes I honestly forget that I even did some of the things because I really am like on autopilot. So I'll get up and go get this, uh, go to the bathroom, get Sarah's robe, leave that on the bed. Whenever she wakes up, she'll have her nice cozy robe and then I'll go and, and uh, it's crazy. I've got like this exact schedule and um, whenever I'm walking by the, uh, the uh, thermostat, I'll turn that and I'll walk. It's just crazy. I do the exact same thing every morning and actually sometimes I forget that I actually, which steps I, if I forgot or not because I just don't remember them. It was even worse whenever I was my, it was my freshman year in college, and I still lived in Kansas City. I was a lifeguard at YMCA, a YMCA that was almost 25 minutes from my house, and I had the 5 a.m. shift. Uh, so I had to, so like a 25-minute drive, right, so I'm getting up super early. Uh, whenever I get there, it's, you know, it's still like 4.45, because I have to kind of do some things before the pool gets actually open to people. Um, it was honestly really unsafe, and I probably should have been fired, actually, because I was so much in the autopilot uh, mentality. People could have died, honestly. Like, whenever, I, even after I opened the pool, it was like 5.30, and I still don't even know my name. And so, like, honestly, I'm not kidding. I should have been fired for this. But I remember one time I was sitting up on stand. I was so tired that literally the woman that I always knew every morning, she swam uh, her normal laps, uh, she had to wake me up on stand to tell me she was leaving. She's like, hey, Isaac, I uh, didn't want to wake you up, but I'm leaving now, so, just don't, so you just don't get scared when you wake up, and I'm not in the pool anymore. I'm leaving. I'm like, oh, okay, we'll see you later. You're like, that's not okay, but um, <laughs> pretty crazy. Uh, but this like autopilot where you're just, you're just doing all these actions without any mental cognizant idea that you're actually doing them. Okay, so I say that. And I think we all can kind of relate to that where you're doing these actions. Sometimes maybe you've, di- uh, you've done the same drive, uh, the same commute every single day that sometimes whenever you get to the destination, you're like, I don't even remember passing any stoplights on that way. Like you have no idea the drive that you just drove. Uh, this whole like you do the actions, do the motions, and you just aren't there um, mentally or whatever. Well, I say that... Uh, because I think that is a lot like the spiritual life of people in Matthew chapter 5 that Jesus is talking to. People are going through the motions, but really it's not in their heart. The things that they're doing, they actually don't have any concern for. They're not actually thinking, like caring about it. They just 
They just go through the motions spiritually in their Christian walk. And Jesus is addressing this. He's sitting on this side of this, uh, this cliff. If you've been following through uh, this story with us in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus has been just teaching uh, these people that are listening to him. And he's addressing this exact issue. If I, if I were to like give this main point of um, Matthew chapter 5, it would be that God wants real love from us and not just this robotic love. And this is kind of the reality of those people. He's talking to them, and they're, they're living the Christian life. And we'd be like, wow, these people are upstanding Christians. Um, and Jesus is like, look, I got something I have to teach you guys. You guys are going through the motions, but you're doing it mindlessly. You're, you're just following these rules. But really, what's, what's driving your heart? Is your heart really behind all these actions, following these rules, these laws that you have, these Christian expectations? Uh, you're, you're doing these actions, but... I, I, want, I don't want just ro- robots. I want, I want real, to the core, Christians. And that, that's really the, the, the main idea behind Matthew chapter 5, Jesus' teaching. Um, because the reality was, people he was talking to, and these are a few examples that he gives, uh, he's like, yeah, you guys follow this rule, don't murder. Yeah, okay? So, so everyone's like, yeah, can't murder. If you murder, you're a bad person. Um, and you're, you're doing that rule, but that's pretty much like all you're paying attention to. All you're paying t- attention to is don't murder, don't murder, don't murder. And he's like, but look at the heart that you have. You're, you're following that action, but still in your mind and in your heart, you, you hate people. So he's like, is it, is it not the same thing? Yes, you're not doing the action of harming that person, but still your heart is it's evil. You, you hate the people. And so um, he's like, I want your real love. I don't just want some robot that knows not to murder, not to murder, not to murder. He's like, I want your heart to really cry out. I don't want to harm anyone. I don't want to hate anyone. I want to love people. And that's what, that's what Jesus is talking about. He, he then goes on later and he says, um, you know, not to commit adultery. And you guys are like just saying this, computing, no adultery, no adultery. And, and he's like, well, the problem is you still are struggling with so much lust in your heart. So all you know is, you know, can't have sex with this person. I can't cheat with that person. I, uh, you know, all these different things, all these rules and these laws, and you're keeping them. But the problem is, in your heart, you don't care about that. You actually still look at people dishonorably. You're looking at that person in an impure way. You're just a robot that knows not to go and have sex with them, but so he's, he's talking about the heart. I want, I want, you, I want you to genuinely care, to, to, to love and to honor and to look at that person in a, in a pure way, right? So I, I, want, I want someone with real love and not just robots to, to live for God. So that's, that's the premise of Matthew chapter 5 that we're in. And, and now tonight, uh, the passage that we're going to look, la- look at is, uh, it starts in verse 33, it goes to verse 37, and it, it talks about honesty. So he's already talked about murder and, and adultery and, and all these things, and now he's going to talk about honesty, and that's what we're going to look at. Um, so because th- the reality was in that time, those people were following these technical rules that I, I can't break a promise. So they were almost like ranking when it's okay to lie and when it's not. Get this, because I think actually some, sometimes we do the same thing. They're like, well, if I make a promise, then I can't break that promise. But if I never make a promise and I never technically say that I would or wouldn't do that, well, then I can get away with not necessarily doing that. And so Jesus, like all the other examples, Jesus is like, guys, you're, you're these robots that are saying, I can't lie, can't break this promise, can't break this promise. But in your heart, you're still trying to find ways to finagle out of being honest and truthful and, and really being a, represent, a representative of truth. He's like, you guys are just 
Can't make a promise. Can't break this promise. Can't break this promise. And Jesus is like, I want your being, your real nature to say, I want to exclaim truth and, and be honest. I don't just want the standard of your Christian walk, what makes you a Christian, this rule. Don't break your promises. It's like, no, I want your honesty. It's a big difference. Your character, your nature, instead of rule following. And so that's actually what we're going to look at tonight. Um, so let me read the passage. If you have your Bibles, you can follow along, or it will be up on the screen here. Um, he says in verse 33, this is Jesus continuing his teaching. It says, Again, you have heard that it was said to our ancestors, you must not break your oath, but you must uh, but you must keep your oath to the Lord. This is what people would say. You can't break your oath, but you should keep your oath to the Lord. But I tell you, don't take an oath at all, neither by heaven because it's God's throne or by the earth because it's his footstool or by Jerusalem because it's the city of the great king. Do not swear by your head because you cannot make a single hair white or black. But, verse 37 is so important, but let your yes be yes. Or let your yes mean yes, and your no mean no. Anything more than this is from the evil one. So that's what we're going to look at uh, tonight. And Jesus really just starts by saying, don't even take an oath. I know you guys have this like rule that you're following. Just can't break a promise. Can't break a promise. And I want true honesty. So Jesus starts by saying in verse 34, you know, I tell you, don't even take oaths at all. Don't even make promises. Don't swear by anything. How about that? that that's where he starts. Like, let's just get rid of that dumb rule that you guys have that you're just living your Christian life by. That's the standard of being a Christian is can't break your promises. How about you just quit making promises altogether? And it's really interesting, actually, if you, if you look at the progression he has, and I'll have it up here on the screen, um, kind of highlighted by yellow. He says he, he kind of like a progression of starting huge by what you're swearing by uh, and gets down really small. He says, so don't swear by heaven or by earth or by Jerusalem or not even by the, the hair on your head or, or by your head. So, he, right, he's starting big, smaller, 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 smaller. And, I mean, we could, in our culture, we could progress that even further. Not even by a pinky swear, right? I mean, from your head all the way down to your pinky. Like, he's saying, don't even bother making an oath at all. And your, his reasoning behind all that, if you, if you read it, it's because all that is God's. Heaven is God's throne. Earth is his footstool. Jerusalem is the city of the great king. Uh, even your hair or your head uh, is something that you really actually don't even have control over. But God, having control over everything, can dictate whether your hair is black or white. Everything that you would swear by, from heaven to earth to Jerusalem to your own body or by a pinky swear, whatever it is, God's saying, if you swear by that, you're swearing by me, so you you might as well swear by God or um, swear to God. This is what he's saying. He's like, if you're swearing by anything, you're pretty much just saying, "I swear to God." And if you read Leviticus 19, we're not going to jump into that. That's a whole other thing. But Leviticus 19, verse 12, uh, he's saying, "If you swear by my name and it doesn't come true, it's a risk we're taking when you swear by the name of God." which swearing by anything would be swearing by the name of God, right? Because it's his. He owns it. If you swear by the name of God and you break that promise or you break that oath, which is a risk that we're taking anytime we make a promise, we might not be able to keep it. He says, well, then you're taking the risk of profaning my name. Profane is a, is a word that kind of, um, it means like to, uh, to 
disregard or to actually like, like to spit on. Like you don't care about it or respect it at all. You don't revere it. So he's like, if you swear by any of these, you're really swearing by my name. And if you swear by my name, it doesn't come true. Then you're taking the risk of spitting on me. Is really what, what we see. So Jesus just says, when it comes to honesty, coming back to honesty now, this is important. This, this has to do with our lives, how we're living. He says, don't even bother making promises. Okay? Instead, what, what's the alternative he gives us? He says in verse 37, but let your yes mean yes, and your no mean no. Anything more than that is from the evil one. So he says, here's something crazy. Get rid of promises, get rid of oaths, get rid of swearing, like you have some hierarchy of um, how much you expect that person to trust you, right? If you're just like, yeah, I'll do it. That's one thing. But if you're like, I promise I'll do it. Now there's like some assumption that you actually really mean it more now. She's like, no. Anytime you say you'll do it, how about you just say that your word is honorable and it really means something, that there's no hierarchy of whether or not you mean what you say. He's like, how about you just be honest, all the time. Strive for honesty, not some like, oh, I pinky promise now. Now I really mean it. Jesus is like, no, no. Get rid of all these hierarchy rules of how much you really should be serious about what you say. He's like, no. Be honest. How about that? Just, just care and just really care about representing truth. This is, this is what Jesus calls for. Um, to be honest people. And, and we see because of this that Jesus cares about the depths of a person's heart, not just their actions. And there's actually a beautiful truth that maybe we should just stop and think about for a second. Jesus cares about the depths of who you are, not just the actions you make. Whether you do the right thing or you do the wrong thing, Jesus, that's secondary to Jesus. Jesus, our Lord and Savior, cares how you're doing in here. The motivation, the heartbreak, the pain that you're wrestling with that would lead you to do that bad action or, or to, to, I don't know, do, just do something crazy or uh, do something maybe that you would never do any other time just because you're, you're really struggling right now in the season of life. Jesus, that's secondary, the action that you would make in that time. Jesus cares more in that moment about Where's your heart? What, what are you going through? What is the depths of your being and what's it going through? Jesus cares about your heart, not just your actions. And this is a beautiful truth because so much of the times we, I think, sometimes feel like our value is, is based on how well we live and that people would love us more because we're easy to deal with or we're not super dramatic or, you know, we don't cause a whole lot of problems or we, we don't break a lot of things or we're not a, we're not a burden to that person. And, but to Jesus, it has nothing to do with any of those things. It has everything to do with your heart, your soul, how you are as a person, what you're feeling uh, deep down and what you're wrestling with in your spirit. That's, this is the, 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 the main concern of Jesus, and I think this is a beautiful truth. We have a God that cares about not just how well we perform for him in our daily lives. He, 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 doesn't, he cares about us. That's, that's awesome, I think. Jesus cares more about the depths of the person, not just their actions. I was, uh, 
so Sarah and I went and spent some time with some friends, some old friends, and I think a lot of you guys know them, the Jushes. Uh, they used to be on staff here as, as pastors. And in that time, we really grew such a deep relationship with them. And um, so we were with them this weekend, and Sarah was telling me about just, we, we've really admired their parenting styles in a lot of ways. And, um, and in one instance, Sarah was telling me, I think, that, so Tobiah's their little boy, and, um, and Malia, the mom, she, she used to be the children's pastor here. She just, I guess, stopped. I wasn't there, but Sarah was telling me about it, and she was just like, wow, that was really awesome. Uh, but Malaya just stopped and told Tobiah one time, uh, just, hey, I want you to know you don't, you don't have to, just whenever I ask how are you doing, you don't have to automatically say I'm doing okay. And she took the time to really stop and just tell her son, you're okay to tell me you're not doing all right, because I w- would rather know about what's really going on in your heart than to see just this mask that you put on for me to make me happy. And uh, she's like, it's not, it's not a burden for me to really sit down and, and hear from you that you're not having a good day, and, and we can talk about that. So, uh, buddy, I want you to know you can answer honestly when I say, how are you doing? You don't always have to. And she said, you can tell that to anyone. And so Sarah and I were talking about that, and it's just really cool. That's awesome parenting that, that you really want to instill in the person. I love you, and not your mask, or not your actions, or not what you want other people to think. I love you, and I care about that person. And that, I think, is a beautiful representation of Jesus, our, our own Father, and our own Lord and Savior, the Holy Trinity. I mean, God just loves us. And that, I really think we should really take that seriously. But because he cares more about how we are and who we are in the depths of our beings and not just our actions, uh, he calls us not just to not break laws or to break promises, but to be honest people. That's what he cares more about. He cares more about us being uh, honest people. And you can go through uh, not just that we shouldn't murder, but that we should uh, really not despise people or hate people, or uh, that we shouldn't just uh, be working not to have sex uh, with our boyfriend or girlfriend, um, but that we should really want to honor that person. He cares not only about the action, but he cares about our heart behind the action, and to love them, and to want to treasure them, and to cherish them, and to honor them. And so he cares more about the heart than he does the action. I can keep going on about that. Um, But there's so many examples, and now here, he's like, I don't want you just to focus on not breaking a promise. I want you to think about I want to be honest. I want to be an honest person as worship to God. I want, I want to be in my spirit, in my being an honest person. Um, that's what he calls us to because he cares more about our core person than our actions. He wants us to be honest people. Um, and this is really hard, I think. This is really this is a challenge for us. I think a lot of the times I remember... Uh, one time, a few months, not a few months ago, a few years ago, I went to the UK to travel around a couple different countries. And I, I remember I was going to get on a train to go from one city to another, and it was me and my family. And uh, somehow, you're supposed to grab a ticket, and when you were going like in the sea of people, just like this crazy crowd of people. When you go, there were like five people lined up, uh, blocking, not blocking the hallway, but they're all lined up across the hallway. And as you walked through these line, uh, this line of people, you would hand them their tickets. So they would be trying to catch everybody that goes in between them and grab each person's ticket. If you don't want to get a ticket, they would turn you around and make you go back and buy a ticket. And that was just to make sure that everybody paid to get on the train. Okay, So that's what we did. And I don't know what it was. I was on my phone or something. And... Uh, and I remember at one point we walked through and we didn't, 
buy my ticket. I don't know why, but I didn't have a ticket to give them. And so I walked right by these people. And after I got off my phone, I looked back and I realized I had passed them and they didn't catch me. And uh, so technically, I, I, it was like train hopping. I didn't even know it. And so, um, but at that point, I was like at a crossroads, right? I could have either kept going. No one caught me. I wasn't harming anyone necessarily, right? Um, and so I could have just kept going. I could have gone on the train. I, if I would have turned around, I would have risked not getting on the train. I might have lost. Uh, uh, they might have left without me. Uh, but I was at this crossroads of wanting to either be honest, go back and get my ticket and hand it to them, which would take a lot of time, given that I would have to fight the sea of people and go to the ticket counter. Um, or I could have just done what was so much easier and not really harming anyone. I could have just got on the train, right? I was at this crossroads of really thinking, do I want to be uh, at the core of my being honest? And so I remember talking to my parents and my family, or my siblings. I was like, guys, I got to go back. I didn't, I didn't realize, but I need to get a ticket. And they were like, no, don't worry about it. It's fine. You're, you're good. Just jump on it. You know, $3, whatever. Um, and that's a crossroads. I think a lot of us have those times. And, but I made that decision where I was going to risk me getting on the train or not. And I ran back uh, for $3, for a $3 ticket. And, uh, and because I think at that point we have a decision to make whether or not, whether how petty it is or how severe it is, are we going to, at the core of our beings, the being that Jesus loves and cares about and really cares about the condition of, are we going to be honest or not? And I think really if you think about it, there's a lot of instances where that's our daily situation. What about like getting um, extra change at the, at the uh, register, grocery store, or wherever you might be giving money? Maybe the teller would give you more money back. You're at that crossroads then. Am I going to be a representative of truth? Am I going to be a person that stands up for, for honesty? Whether or not, I mean, they wouldn't even know it. If I just walked away, they gave me that money. Their mistake, right? But are we going to honor the deep, honesty and, and the, the persona that Jesus cares about and wants us to be, are we going to, are we going to stand up for that? Um, what about, I know Quizlet is like blown up lately, right, with college and maybe high school too, but um, if you find a quiz that's online that really somebody mimicked the test that they used to, you know, a class that they took in the past, but now you're taking it and you find your test online, at that point you're at a crossroads. Am I going to be a person that with integrity or am I going to just look at the, the test because that'd be so much easier? No one would ever find out. My teacher would never look on my computer and see that I went to Quizlet and I saw the test, right? But at that point, I'm going to decide, am I going to be a person of honesty, not just this person that's a rule follower and just doesn't want to get uh, caught, but I want to be a person, whether I'm caught or not, I want to be a person that values honesty. This is the, the calling that Jesus would give us or the person that maybe um, isn't seeing Quizlet uh, as a possibility, but post-test, they did look at Quizlet. At that point, are you going to make a decision? Am I going to be an honest person and turn myself in and tell them, hey, look, I, I looked at Quizlet. I, I looked at my test. I looked at the test online. I found it. And I studied that. You know, are we going to stand up, even if it means the consequences that would follow? Am I going to be a person of honesty, loving Jesus with my core, my being, or am I just going to do what would be so much easier, so much more convenient, right, and, and, uh, and just not do anything about it? I think Jesus would call us to the first, that we would be people of honesty, because he cares about that being the the depths of who we are, pouring out into everything that we would do. He cares about the condition of your heart, and he wants your heart to be a heart 
that values honesty. The outcome of being genuinely honest, being, uh, having honesty ingrained into your heart, uh, I got two outcomes here. This is what I want to really um, come to a closing with. There's two outcomes, I think, when you have honesty ingrained into your being, not just being these rules that you follow. Am I making sure that I don't break uh, this promise or not? But like, I just want to just be honest in everything and in all ways. I want to be an honest person. There's two outcomes to that, I think. Two outcomes. The first one is that God would see that you truly love him. God sees our heart. And as we would choose integrity, we would choose honesty, the outcome of that is that God would search not only our actions, but he would search our hearts and he would see that we truly value and we love him. This is an outcome that we have uh, when we truly want to live, love him and live for him, not only in the actions that we make, that we would keep rules, but in the depths of who we are. He would see that we love him. It's not just in technicalities and following the rules, but it's in your heart and your character. Uh, and it just, it has to be a desire to live for him. That's ingrained into you. Let me read really quick. It's a short psalm, uh, but Psalm 100 and, and when I read this, would you just think about not only the actions that they're going to be talking about in this psalm, that, that they want to praise God and they, they, they're going to um, go to his sanctuary and worship him. Don't just look at the verbs, but look at how they do it, their, 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 their heart in doing it. Okay, so we can go to church and we can, we can lift our hands and we can worship God, but God isn't caring about those external actions as much as he's caring about the condition of our heart as we do them. In the same way, he doesn't care if we just break or don't break this promise. He cares about our heart being honest and wanting to represent truth. So don't just look at the actions here of what this person does, but look at their heart in doing it. Let me read it. It's five verses. Really catch this. Let the whole earth shout triumphantly to God. Serve the Lord. Don't just serve the Lord. It doesn't just have a period there. It says serve the Lord with gladness. Have a heart that just wants to serve God. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Not just songs that you just sing because that's what you do on Sunday morning, but do it with joyfully. Acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving. Don't just go to church. Do it with this heart that is thankful for all that you have in God. And, and his courts, uh, enter his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name for the Lord is good and his faithful love endures forever. His faithfulness through all generations. God cares about our hearts, not just our actions. He cares so much more about us being honest people than us keeping a promise. He wants our nature to be deeply truthful and valuing that. So um, that's the first thing, is that one outcome whenever you are ingraining honesty into the character and the being that you are, the first one is that, that God would see that you truly love him, but the second one is that people also would see your radical commitment and love for God. Not only would God see it, but, but people would see it. People would see that you have a radical commitment to God. And that's the, that's the title of our series, right? Radical relationships. Being radically committed to God in the context of our relationships with others. Others would see our radical love and commitment to God because of our deep and genuine value of honesty. If you jump back to my story with uh, me going on the train in England, that gatekeeper 
I don't remember, so I can't say for sure, but I can just imagine. That guy was blown away whenever, I'm sure he plans for hundreds of people every day to sneak past him. Uh, he probably knows so many people get past him without paying. Uh, and so to find one person that would even come back and say, hey, I didn't pay, here's my $3. I bet that just blows his mind, but that is a witness to people that don't know Jesus yet, that people that do follow Jesus are transformed people that live with integrity and love to be honest people. I think it's a witness to other people of our transformation. There's something different about this person, right? Our radical relationship to God is shown in the context of our relationships when we don't just follow the rules and they're just checklists. But it's in the depths of who we are and it works out in everything that we do. We value honesty. And not only was the, it was the, uh, the ticket person, I, I'm guessing, uh, pretty blown away, but I think it really shows that my love for God uh, to my family, people that were Christians and they were there with me. I think that our radical commitment to God, our radical commitment to honesty, Worked out in everything we do, not only as a witness to non-believers that there's something different about Christians, but it's also a witness to our fellow Christians that are there around us when they're like, no, don't worry about it, you're good, it's $3. When we would make that decision to say, you know what, no, I want to be a person of honesty, I want to be a person of integrity, that would encourage them and be a witness to them to make that step also to value honesty the way we should value honesty. It's like a, it's like a witness to one another that we should together link arms and step up and care about honesty more than we do currently. It's hard being that person to be the, the different one among all our other peers that are also Christians, but to say, no, guys, we need to value honesty. We need to value people. We need to care about people. We need to love people in the depths of who we are, not just get away with this lie or whatever. It's a witness not only to non-believers about the transformation that we have in Christ, but it's a witness to one another. And it's a challenge to one another. We're challenging one another to step up and to take seriously more our radical commitment to God. I want you to get this. Your faith will never make an impact in somebody's life if it doesn't make an impression, okay? I want to say that again. Your faith will never make an impact if it doesn't make an impression. Non-Christians today that we rub shoulders with in the hallways of school and wherever else you might go work, they see enough of those people that call themselves Christians, but I, I couldn't tell if, if they didn't ever tell me point blank that they were Christian. I would have never guessed they see enough of those people, Right? And those people would never challenge them to say, man, there's something different about this person. I might just consider this whole faith with Jesus Christ. We would never make an impact on somebody's decision to be a Christ follower. We would never make an impact if we don't make an impression that there's something different about us, that we really do in the depths of who we are embrace and live out the transformation that comes with Jesus Christ. If we don't make an impression, you Better not plan on making an impact on anybody's decision to come to know Christ. That's true for me. That's true for all of you. We must ingrain the character of Christ, whether it be honoring people rather than lusting after them or, or valuing honesty rather than trying to finagle or work around your wording to where you can mislead somebody but not technically lie. 
We have to ingrain these characteristics deep into our nature and our being so that people would see it. It would make an impression on them and therefore make an impact on their potential walking towards this relationship with Jesus Christ. People need to see something that's different about you. If we are just these lukewarm, one foot in, one foot out, kind of so-so, somewhat Christians, kind of committed, but uh, only when it's convenient, I guarantee you no one wants any part of that kind of faith. It's more of a hobby. But this faith that really transforms our being, our character, everything about us, it, it transforms our outlook in life and how we, how we walk throughout our day, that kind of transformation, people need that and people want that. They want that hole filled in their heart. But if they don't even see the hole in your heart filled, how in the world would they ever say, man, I want what he has? We will only make an impact if we make an impression, and we're only going to make an impression if we have his character worked into our hearts rather than just following this list of rules that we just can't break to make God happy. And so my one challenge for you guys as we're wrapping up, my one challenge for you, this is it, really simple. Serve God with the depths of who you are, whether that be uh, working to be honest rather than just not breaking promises or, or just honoring people and loving people rather than lusting at them and then looking at them in impure ways. The genuinely loving people. I want you to serve God with the depths of who you are in everything that you do, starting with honesty, but in other aspects of your character. That's my challenge to you. And if you would say tonight that maybe that doesn't actually represent you, that you really don't serve God with the depths of who you are, and it more is a checklist, or it more is just these rules that you kind of feel like you need to do, uh, but you just don't really feel it in here. You don't want to do it in here. You don't really care whether or not you do it. You live for God or not. You don't, you don't serve him in your heart and in who you are. plead with you to talk to me before you walk out those doors that you would talk to me or Sarah or one of these other leaders to say look I, I just don't know if I serve God to the depths of my heart I really just serve God more just as kind of the, the actions that I have to do or because God cares about the depths of your heart he wants the depths of your heart so that's my challenge for you tonight okay would you guys spread out? Uh, we're going to go into this time of response. It's 10 minutes of, of uh, just music to where you can individually uh, pray and work through this, think about this. This is also the time where you can come to me during the music, while the music is playing. That's a perfect time to come find me or to find another adult, another leader here, and talk through whether or not you serve God with the depths of who you are. And if you don't, that you would want to, or, or how can you do that? The first song that we're going to play is it's called Surrender. Let me, just, let me just read part of the lyrics here. It says, Lord, every beat of my heart, and just think about this. As I read this lyric, is this a prayer that you could pray right now? Because it's about what we're, it's what we're about to sing. So can you pray this? Can you really sing this? It says, Lord, every beat of my heart, Every breath in my lungs is yours. Lord, every day of my life and every dream in my mind is yours. And then the chorus is so simple. It is, I surrender, I surrender, I surrender. Can we pray that? 
is our faith ingrained into the depths of everything within us? Can we commit to such an exclamation, such a proclamation, that we care about honesty despite the repercussions, that we want to love others despite discomforts might come, uh, might come with it? Do we care about being humble people in the depths of who we are despite the embarrassment that might come with it? Or do we care about being sacrificial people in our nature despite suffering that might come with it? Do we want to serve God in all that we are? We hope you enjoyed the sermon. If you want to find out more about our youth ministry or any other ministry here at Evangel Temple, you can visit our website at etchurch.org. Thanks for listening, and we hope to see you soon.